Good evening, welcome to Nat's Talk on the Go, episode 158, the first podcast we've had in about six months. Uh, first off at the top of the show, I just want to apologize to everyone about the lack of episodes in the near or recent past. Uh, there's been a lot going on for both Joe and I, and it's been very difficult to get all the ducks in a row to be able to properly do a podcast and do it the way we want to do it. And it's become pretty clear in the last month or so that the podcast wasn't going to be able to continue in its former form. Uh, So we, after some discussion, decided to make a couple changes. And so uh, going forward... I'm going to be the host of Nats Talk on the Go, and we are going to feature a revolving door of Nationals guests, Um, friends of the pod, uh, friends of baseball, all sorts of people. We've got some great people lined up, some you've heard on the podcast before, and others who are going to be brand new, but it's just going to get some different voices. Don't worry, Joe is not gone forever. He will be back uh, as... He has the time and energy to do the podcast like he wants to do it. So don't worry. You are going to have to listen to me a lot, but you will still get a proper fix of Joe as time goes on. I'm going to try and come to you once a week, uh, whether it's just myself in a format such as this, where I just basically shoot the shit with you guys and talk about what's presently going on within Nationals baseball and baseball as a whole. So... I think it's going to be a lot of fun. Um, I'm really looking forward to it. I'm not nervous at all to do a maniac podcast by myself. Uh, I feel that I have a lot to offer and a lot of uh, fun stuff to talk about. So um, let me address real quick the uh, former special ops, which we had. We did not feel it was right for us to continue taking money from anyone regarding... Uh, donations, anything like that, especially when we weren't able to uh, run a show. Uh, We didn't need the money for costs. We didn't feel that it was right to do that uh, and keep going forward with it. So we disbanded all the payments. We stopped them all effective. Uh, I believe it was as of January, and so those are no longer running, but we are going to continue using those funds to keep our server space and do all sorts of things. So um, we made that decision. Uh, I haven't decided yet if we're going to go forward with something like uh, just donations only uh, and not really have much else to offer. But that's really something to be decided later. And I think now the most important thing is to really get back into talking about baseball every week and taking your questions uh, addressing some very popular issues, but uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. I'm really looking forward to this, and I hope you are too. Um, if you're a little hesitant on the new format we're going forward with, uh, please give me a chance and shoot me a line on Twitter at either Craig Mack or uh, on uh, our Nats Talk on the Go at Nats Talk on the Go on Twitter or Nats Talk on the Go at gmail.com. Uh, shoot some questions. Let me know how I can do better for you all uh, so that this is a more enjoyable experience. Uh, It's going to be some growing pains, no doubt about that. But I think together we'll be able to uh, have some fun with this, make it something different. 
Uh, we're going to look at some streaming capabilities so that we can get back to doing live shows, which I know a lot of you really enjoyed that participatory factor of the show. Um, so maybe we host a once-a-month Google Hangout and everyone can just pop in and say hello. Uh, this new app I'm using, the Anchor app, uh, has some functionality to take voicemail messages and I can actually drop them in here on the podcast so I can have audio questions and then answer them right after. So uh, as I get more used to running the technical side, which is far from my forte, we're going to be able to do uh, some different things and some exciting things, but there's a lot to look forward to uh, uh, for the podcast. Hopefully back to consistent episodes, lots of fun, lots of shenanigans, and of course some beer. So it's going to be great. Uh, without further ado, let's kind of do a quick recap of the past year, or not the past year, uh, the off season. So the Nationals once again bow out in a heartbreak uh, against the former champion Chicago Cubs. This series was incredible. It was a phenomenal series. It did not end up the way the Nationals went. Uh, Nationals wanted to. But it was a really exciting matchup between two juggernaut teams that, honestly, no matter what happened at the end of the series, that team was bound to lose in the next round because both teams were just incredibly drained. Uh, a couple things didn't go the Nationals' way. A couple freak things uh, as well. So um, going into the offseason, there weren't too many questions. I mean, there was a solid team. Uh, I believe it was a 95-win team last year. Really solid team. You had uh, the law firm coming back. You had Zimmerman uh, after the Renaissance. You had Bryce Harper. You had Anthony Rendon. You had a healthy Trey Turner. You had Adam Eaton coming back. Um, I kind of, I, w I hesitate to use the word resurgent, but you had a Michael A. Taylor that finally seemed to put things together, and then you had Bryce Harper in his walk year, which we're going to talk about uh, a little bit further on in the show. But there wasn't too many questions. Yeah, are the Nationals going to look at maybe replacing, uh, finding an upgraded catcher? Um, what other bullpen pieces are going to be there? But really... That's about it. No real need for another starter. Maybe if you find the right fifth starter, you can plug someone in there. If not, you'll go with A.J. Cole, um, which it seems like that's essentially what they've decided despite signing uh, Jeremy Hellickson, uh, who's now going to be in the minors. So not a lot of questions going into the offseason. So it was very strange offseason, not just in terms of Nationals baseball, but in terms of baseball as a whole. The word, uh, the, the big C word has been out there quite a bit uh, in all of baseball. Uh, obviously, I'm talking about collusion. We've seen players that have, were in line to get, you know, nine-figure deals over $100 million that ended up settling for less than a qualifying offer on a one-year deal. So things have been very, very strange. There hasn't been... A lot of money shared around. There's a lot of different reasons for this. Um, I know that there's a lot of problems right now within the MLB Players Union uh, addressing initially the leadership of Tony Clark. Uh, I would expect him to be on his way out the door. It's just a matter of whether they want to send a text message or they want to send him an email or they want to go, you're fired. So 
I have a feeling Tony Clark's going to be out the door. Uh, Scott Boris had a rough winter. Uh, a lot of players really had a lot of trouble finding work. And I know uh, Jason Worth coming off a seven-year, $126 million deal. Uh, veteran leader. He had to settle for a minor league deal with the Seattle Mariners within the literal last week of the season. So that was definitely something unexpected coming into the winter. And it's going to be interesting to see how that plays out going into this coming offseason where you've got some huge names that are going to be free agents. Um, Obviously Bryce Harper. You've got Manny Machado. You've got Clayton Kershaw who has an opt-out at the end of this year. But uh, I would... I would put a lot of money on the fact that he's going to opt out and then restructure his deal with Los Angeles because, well, that's pretty much... They cannot afford to lose him. No one can afford to lose a player like that. So going into the offseason, it was pretty quiet. The uh, only real question uh, outside of, uh, really, for the Nationals was, what are they going to do with Dusty Baker? All season long, Mike Rizzo had said... I love him. He's my guy. I want him to stay here. I have no doubt that we're going to get something working. Well, after the World Series, things sort of changed a little bit. You really didn't hear any word of a contract. Dusty Baker was saying he's sitting by his phone waiting to go. And then all of a sudden, about 10 days after the World Series, it became clear that the Nationals were not going to renew Dusty Baker. Uh, Joe and I didn't get really a chance to talk about this. Um, I did not think Dusty Baker did anything to lose his job. Um, But I also don't think he did anything to really justify staying. He took uh, a Rolex or a Cadillac Cadillac of a team, a Tesla, if you will, and he took him to two straight division championships and two straight divisional series exits, just like... Matt Williams had done, except for, you know, the one year that he got fired and didn't make it. But uh, he took a team that was expected to win and expected to go far, and he honestly did not get it done. He didn't get the team into the championship series and didn't get the team to a World Series like he had been hired to do. And so I can understand both sides of it. The uh, ownership side of it saying, uh, we like this guy a lot, but he didn't do what he was hired to do, so going in a different direction. Going in a different direction is one thing, but going for an unproven manager is was a very interesting choice. But I think uh, going with Davey Martinez, who obviously bench coach at uh, Tampa Bay under uh, Joe Madden and then over to Chicago under Joe Madden as well. New school kind of guy, quite opposite of Dusty Baker, who, uh, in all fairness wasn't the old-school curmudgeon that he was with the Chicago Cubs back in the day. Um, So he had grown up a lot and been a a different manager than he was before, but by no means was he new school and big into shifting and anything like that. The Nationals really haven't had that, and I think that's what Mike Rizzo has really always wanted. And although he wanted Dusty Baker to stay, I think he's probably pretty happy with a guy like Davey Williams, who was a finalist for the job back when the Nationals mistakenly hired Matt Williams. So Davey Martinez comes in. He's new. He's flashy. He's young. He's got the weird vibe that Joe Madden has. And 
starting in spring training, it was really wondering what we were going to see. It's the second year in Palm Beach. Uh, this great facility settled in finally after the shenanigans of last off season. But Davey Martinez initially showed right off the bat that things were going to be very different. I believe they have a morning circle time, which is adorable and weird. And there was the thing with the camels. And then on St. Patrick's Day, he had someone in bagpipes. And then the other day, he had a DJ playing music. Uh, but it seems like he's really trying to loosen up the atmosphere in the clubhouse. And you got to figure for guys like Ryan Zimmerman, Anthony Rendon, Bryce Harper, these veterans, uh, Steven Strasburg, Max Scherzer. I mean, you've got players at the top of their game. They really want to get over the hump, as Davey Martinez is calling it with the camels. Uh, they really want to get over that. And so there's probably a little bit of tension there. They've been, they've won the division now. I want to say, how many times? I don't know, four times in six years, something like that. So they've won the division a bunch of times, but they've never gotten past that first round. So you got to think these veteran players are really starting to feel the pressure, uh, especially as you're looking at, at three major exits potentially at the end of this season. You've got Bryce Harper, obviously, like I mentioned earlier in his walk year. You've got Daniel Murphy, who's been an absolute steal at three years and I want to say 36, maybe $39 million. And then you've got... Um, Gio Gonzalez, who has been a really effective number three, number four starter for the Nationals for years now. He had a really big bounce back season last year, cut back on the walks, uh, really did not fall apart after the fifth inning like Gio Gonzalez historically has done. So you've got these players that have that are going into their walk years that really want to put their stamp on their time here in D.C. and kind of have a legacy instead of just perennial being the Washington Capitals type team where you just can never, ever, ever get over the hump. So uh, I think they're feeling the pressure. So I think Davey Martinez, his new philosophy of keeping things loose, letting the veterans get a little bit more rest, not putting pressure on them and just wanting to go out and play the game and have fun and be loose – I think that's really going to make a big difference. Uh, I don't think it's going to affect anyone like Max Scherzer or Steven Strasburg, who just wants you to give them the damn ball so they can go out and throw every fifth day. But I think younger players are going to see uh, that, hey, this is fun. We don't have to be all down in the dumps if we get on a three-game losing streak or that we haven't advanced past the first round ever. So... I think it's a good thing. It'll be interesting to see how that progresses throughout the year, whether he's going to, uh, whether Davey Martinez is going to really have a handle on the clubhouse or whether it gets away from him. Um, another uh, aspect of the clubhouse chemistry, uh, losing Jason Worth. Uh, say what you will about Jason Worth. It is pretty widely known that he was a strong voice within the Nationals clubhouse. Uh, you can argue whether or not he was a strong voice in a positive way or a negative way. I've heard uh, really from sources that say he was not the most generous and thoughtful leader, but he was a leader nonetheless. So losing both Dusty Baker and Jason Worth in the same offseason – there probably is a little bit of a leadership vacuum 
in the clubhouse. So Ryan Zimmerman's not going to be the kind of guy that's going to take that mantle. Uh, it's really hard for a starting pitcher to take that uh, when they're only pitching once every five days. And as much as Max Scherzer seems to have the incredible right attitude at all times, it's still hard for him to fire up a team on his own when he's not out there pitching with the, all the adrenaline and the yelling and the give me the effing ball and all that stuff. So Ryan Zimmerman, not that kind of guy. Anthony Rendon, maybe that kind of guy. Trey Turner, too young. Bryce Harper, huh. people call him brash. People call him out there. He is, as flashy as he is, he's more of a lead-by-example, quiet kind of guy when it comes to his teammates. Um, he's loud on the field, but I don't really think he's going to be the one standing up in the dugout saying a bunch of stuff, or in the clubhouse saying a bunch of stuff. The leadership vacuum is going to be fun to watch, uh, How see how that develops, who kind of takes that mantle place, um, whether it's going to be Davey Martinez at all, which you could definitely argue that Jason Wirth was more of a team leader than Dusty Baker might have been the last few years even. So uh, pay attention to that. Uh, that's one of the big concerns coming out of this spring. Um, let's get into a little bit of how spring went. Like I said, there wasn't a lot to break in uh, for the Nationals. You pretty much knew uh, by December what the Nationals lineup was going to look like. Uh, It had already been announced that Adam Eaton, in his triumphant return after jacking up his knee in April last year, was going to be playing left field, uh, and that Michael A. Taylor, who was one of the best defensive center fielders in all of baseball last year, was going to maintain his position there. And I think you can't really mess with Michael A. Taylor's um, work in 2017, but also the effect that coming back from a major knee surgery is going to have on Adam Eaton. He's not going to come in right off the bat and be super flashy and running and pivoting and doing all that you need to do in center field. So this lets him kind of get back into baseball shape a little bit slower, a little bit smoother, not really have as much stress on the knee um, as if he was playing center field. So you knew that was going to be the case. Harper was going to be in right. Daniel Murphy suffered an injury over the offseason, so he will not be starting uh, in Washington, uh, starting what is now Friday's opener after a rain delay that happened, or postponement that happened actually before Thursday rolled around where their opener in uh, Cincinnati. So, uh, But Murphy, once he's back, he'll be penciled right into that second uh, second base slot, but for now, Howie Kendrick, who re-signed, uh, will be there. Trey Turner, you know he's going to be at short. You know uh, Anthony Rendon is going to be at third. Max Scherzer on the hill, and then uh, Matt Wieters behind home plate with uh, Miguel Montero, veteran catcher, uh, taking up that uh, backup catching role from Jose Lobatone. He is more veteran than Jose Lobatone. He's got uh, a longer history of actual success, whereas Jose Lobatone was a backup catcher and always a backup catcher. And Miguel Montero was brought in to kind of push Matt Wieters a little bit, who had lost some weight uh, over the offseason, uh, quote, best shape of your life kind of stuff. So he had a really solid spring, so you got to have a little bit of hope that he's going to be more of the player that he was uh, in his early years in Baltimore as opposed to the player he's become through, I don't know, 2015 through 17. 
uh, where he was easily the weak link within the Nationals lineup. So hopefully a positive spring can portend some really good things for Matt Wieters, but uh, weren't a lot of questions with the lineup. Like I said, fifth starter was looking like A.J. Cole. Eric Fetty pushed him a little bit in the spring. Uh, Jeremy Hellickson signed late, uh, was eventually released, but re-signed to a minor league deal, uh, which was negotiated at the initial signing of the contract and the invite to Major League Camp. So... Uh, I would think he'll probably be the first man up and that they really want to give Fetty, um, push him too much too soon if they can help it. Um, Other big names out of spring training, uh, Robles. Just unbelievable. He is a superstar in the making. Uh, He is going to be starting the year at AAA Syracuse, which is uh, unfortunate. I know there were a lot of folks that wanted to see him break camp north with the big club, but it's most important for him right now to be playing every day. And no matter where he is, he is going to be playing every day. He is going to be the first man up if there's an injury to Eaton, Harper, or Michael A. Taylor. I don't think they're going to give that uh, starting center field job or starting outfield job to Brian Goodwin uh, in the instance of an injury. I think they're going to get Robles up, who proved himself... Uh, the second half of last year, and then had a really solid spring, made some uh, superstar defensive plays during spring training. So I think Jose Robles uh, is going to be huge for the Nationals, and I think he's going to definitely play a role uh, starting uh, some point in the first half of the year. Mm. Oh, that's good, by the way. I am uh, currently drinking a Pale Fire Errant IPA. Um, from Harrisonburg, Virginia. Harrisonburg is a wonderful town. Uh, really solid beer scene now. Uh, I obviously went to school at James Madison University with my degree in music education. And, of course, Pale Fire Brewing opened a couple years after I left, of course. But uh, this is one of their newer beers, uh, Errant IPA. Well, it's pretty pricey on the shelves. Um, but if you're uh, an IPA fan... It's a delicious, delicious purchase. It's um, nice and citrusy. comes in a tall boy can, which I really tend to enjoy. A nice 16-ounce can as opposed to a 12-ounce can. It's just that much more, and it just makes me that much happier. So that's what I'm currently sipping on. So if you uh, hear me take a little break and go, uh, ah, that's because I'm having a little bit of, bit of beer. Uh, it takes a little liquid courage to uh, record a podcast by yourself that's as of now, it looks like over 20 minutes, over 22 minutes, just about to hit 23. I'm having some fun. I hope you are as well. Looking forward to getting to your questions. Uh, once again, if you need anything, please hit me up uh, on Twitter at Craig Mack or at Nats Talk on the Go. Uh, new format, so there's going to be some kinks, and I'm really not sure how well anyone's going to like it or listen. But uh, give me feedback. Let me know. Give me a review on iTunes. Uh, Let me know what I can do better for you, what you would like to hear from me, whether it's more ridiculous banter or what. Um, All of that is fair game. And like I said, we're going to be having guests. If you want to be a guest on Nats Talk on the Go, also reach out to me on uh, those places. I want to get as many varied voices as I can uh, on this show, just to make it a little bit more interesting. Not a typical interview show, but more of a let's hang out over a beer and talk some baseball. So let's see. Uh, breaking down the lineup just a little bit more. 
the Nationals and Mike Rizzo and Davey Martinez uh, decide to go with an eight-man bullpen to start the season. We've got a four-man bench, and that bench is uh, Wilmer Defoe, who was a really effective plug-in last year when uh, Trey Turner was hurt. Uh, versatile player, can play all over the infield, um, and really nice glove. So he's a really versatile player to have. Uh, Brian Goodwin once again stepped in like Michael A. Taylor did last year and really was a solid option in uh, the outfield last year. Really uh, good with the bat, really solid defensively, so a great uh, fourth outfielder for us. Uh, Matt Adams, a, a new face to the Nationals lineup. They decided to not re-sign Adam Lynn, and as I recall, uh, Adam Lynn, who was on a tryout with the New York Yankees, uh, was released, um, so I don't believe he's got a home right now, which is a shame because he was a, a clutch pinch hitter for the Nationals last year, uh, and so the Nationals signed Matt Adams to, I believe, a one-year, $4 million deal uh, to essentially be Ryan Zimmerman's replacement if and when Ryan Zimmerman does get hurt uh, this season. So Matt Adams is there, and like I said, uh, Miguel Montero is your backup catcher, so... Uh, there's some versatility within the lineup. Uh, it might not stay an eight-man bullpen and a four-man bench, but we'll see what happens. Uh, Howie Kendrick, as we've seen, he can play second base, he can play first base, he can play uh, corner outfield positions as well. So very versatile. A uh, lot of players that can really be that super utility player, which is pretty necessary um, in this day and age of baseball. You really need to utilize your assets uh, as best as possible. And having players that can play multiple positions really helps. So going towards the bullpen, uh, of an eight-man bullpen, you've got four lefties, four righties. Uh, you've got Your lefties, you've got uh, Doolittle, of course. You've got Eddie Romero uh, made the team despite a little bit of a rocky spring. Um, but he is, as we've seen, his upside is incredible. Uh, he's probably got the highest true ceiling of any reliever in that bullpen. Uh, but he's also probably got the lowest floor. Uh, think Henry Martinez, or I'm sorry, Henry Rodriguez, not Martinez. Henry Rodriguez, H-Rod, um, can throw it 101 miles an hour. Um, some days you're going to be the sharpest pitcher in the game. Other days you're not going to be able to hit the broad side of a barn. So any Romero uh, is there. Sammy Solis, who was actually a, uh, one of the best pitchers in the spring, which is really nice to see. He had some injury problems last year. Uh, he really struggled to be consistently effective at the end of last year. And then uh, Matt Grace, who has been up and down in the past. So those are your lefties. Uh, you've got uh, Kinsler, Madsen, uh, Trevor Gott, and Sean Kelly uh, rounding out the rest of the bullpen. Um, uh, it's interesting to see Trevor Gott in there. Uh, we've Thought we were going to see him a little bit last year. I don't believe we actually did. And then Sean Kelly, who um, might end up being the odd man out once uh, some changes happen, once we get through the first couple weeks of the season and we go from an eight-man bullpen to more likely a seven-man bullpen, uh, probably when Murphy comes back. So um, hopefully Sean Kelly can put something together and not fall apart because that seems to have been his M.O., last year and this spring. So there is some been uh, some concerns out there about the uh, national spring training schedule and uh, results and everything. And spring training is 
such an interesting, uh, interestingly designed season or uh, schedule. You're playing the same teams a bunch. You're playing close teams. The Nationals probably played the Astros four or five times. Once again, the world champion Houston Astros because they happen to share a park and that just makes things a lot easier in terms of travel and all of that. So you're playing the same teams a lot. Uh, your regulars are not playing even seven innings of baseball until the last four games or so. So you've got a lot of number 91s, number 92s, number 95s, uh, guys who no one really knows who's out there. And the biggest goal for any team is to get out of spring training healthy. And the Nationals were able to accomplish that. So I'm not looking too much at their 13-17 and 17 spring training record. I really don't think that means that much. Uh, the games don't count. They don't matter. By the seventh inning of half of the spring training games, the starters are out golfing already or sitting by the pool and they're gone. So don't read too much into spring training results. Uh, you can look a little bit of trends of particular players um, and overall trends throughout baseball, such as uh, strikeouts are in baseball are going to continue to go up. Home runs are also going to continue to go up. We had a record number of home runs in Major League Baseball last year, and it's going to be uh, an even bigger year uh, in 2018. So you can look at some larger trends like that, but on the whole, like I said, really all you want is all 25 men that are going north to uh, be healthy, to be ready to go, to have gotten the work in, um, and really that's all you need. So I wouldn't read too much into it. Don't worry about the spring training record. doesn't mean too much. Um, new manager, uh, getting players healthy, getting Adam Eaton some work in there. Uh, that's what really matters in making sure your pitchers are ready to throw 100-plus uh, pitches starting on opening day. So, um, one of the weirder stories that came out of spring training, Ryan Zimmerman, we love Ryan Zimmerman here, uh, one of us on this podcast, uh, maybe the one speaking to you, uh, predicted Ryan Zimmerman to have a massive year last year. Uh, Ryan Zimmerman had a massive year last year, out of nowhere. As far as I could see, there was only one person that actually predicted it, and it was, uh, it was me. So I'm pretty proud of that. Um, I don't have a similar prediction this year. Um, I don't think Weeders is going to be particularly amazing, uh, but I think in comparison of what he did before, it's going to seem amazing, but I don't think he's going to, you know, go 290, 300, um, 90 RBIs. I don't think anything like that. Uh, I think he's going to be, you know, 270 hitter, maybe hit 12 to 15 bombs, get 60 RBIs. I really don't think he's going to have a super breakout, uh, renaissance year. Uh, I don't really think there's a contender, um, but I think the big story for the Nationals is going to be how much everyone appreciates Adam Eaton and who he is as a player and what he does. Um, but the biggest strange story out of spring training, uh, where has Ryan Zimmerman been? He really he played one Grapefruit League game, and the whole past several weeks it's been... A uh, constant refrain from all the beat writers, where's Ryan Zimmerman? Why is Ryan Zimmerman not playing? Who's saying things? Uh, is he healthy? Is he hurt? Why isn't he out here? And Oh, he's working on the backfield. I saw him. He looked good, says Davey Martinez or Mike Rizzo. 
but he never actually showed up in Grapefruit League games. And then, oh, well, when the Nationals go north for their exhibition, then we will uh, we'll see him. Well, Nationals didn't see him. So in terms of Major League experience this spring, Ryan Zimmerman has not been found at all. And it's been really nerve-wracking for a lot of fans. Just, is he going to be ready? What's going on here? Is this one of those situations where he has a scratch on his knee one day and, oh, he's day-to-day, and then all of a sudden he's out for the year because that scratch in the knee is actually his leg got amputated or something like that. So uh, there's been a lot of concern. Um, Ryan Zimmerman's a veteran. He's been in Major League Baseball for, I want to say this is going to be his 14th season uh, coming up, if you count uh, 2005 where he made his September cup of coffee. Um, He doesn't need spring training. He doesn't want spring training. Uh, His body is into a point where it's starting to go on the downswing, and he needs to stay rested. So I'm not too concerned. Uh, Let's make sure his timing is there uh, at the beginning of the season. But when you've been in baseball for that long, he is probably at the point now where he can roll out of bed uh, in April and start hitting baseball. So I'm not too concerned about it. I know it's probably disappointing for any fans that wanted to go see uh, spring training down in West Palm, but it's still, it's Ryan Zimmerman. I'm not too worried about it. So uh, interesting story there, but I don't think we can read too much into it other than trying to get a veteran a little bit of rest. All right, let's see what else I got on my notes here. Um, overall baseball things, uh, Major League Baseball, like I uh, alluded to earlier with uh, some collusion talk, there was uh, a lot of discussions between Major League Baseball and the Players Union regarding pace of play. Pace of play has been a big bugaboo for both sides, especially um, especially uh, Rob Manfred and the rest of the uh, front office of Major League Baseball, uh, wanting to speed up games to uh, get a little bit more casual viewers. Because if you look at the data, um, baseball is predominantly watched by the over 50 crowd, and that's really not a way for something to survive. You want to make sure you're getting younger eyes on the game. And right now that's not necessarily happening so much. And um, the, a lot of the rise in soccer in the United States, whether it's uh, Major League Soccer, whether it's Liga MX in Mexico, or the national team, or Saturday and Sunday morning English Premier League uh, soccer, go Everton. Um, I think that a lot of their success can be attributed to the fact that when it's Saturday morning and I'm sitting down uh, with my cup of coffee uh, watching Everton and the game starts at 10, it literally starts at 10, right on the dot, and I know that generally it's going to take about two hours. So I can plan around it uh, with baseball. And don't get me wrong, this is one of the things I absolutely love about baseball. There is no clock. Um, when someone says, when, when I'm saying I'm going to a game and someone says, okay, when are you going to be... Uh, how long is it going to take? Well, I don't know. I really don't. It could be two hours and 15 minutes, or it could be a 14-inning game that goes five and a half hours. You really don't know. 
what it's going to be. Uh, and I think that is hard for um, a lot of younger people to really budget their time around. Uh, when uh, we're in a golden age of television, there's uh, exciting sports like the NBA uh, that markets their stars uh, really effectively and really caters to a younger audience uh, with their social media presences uh, and their general attitudes. So um, pace of play has been a big issue, trying to get those games down to uh, under that three-hour average mark, which uh, every year it seems like it's ticking back up and it's really just problematic. But some new things that were put in place uh, that I really don't think are going to make too much difference um, there is a six mound visits per game rule, which is now in place, and that goes to catcher and uh, coach. So outside of pitching changes, uh, there can only be six mound visits a game. Um, I really, I've never counted. I don't know how many games in 2017 this would have really affected, but I can't imagine it's going to be more than a handful um, per team. I just... I find that really silly and doesn't really help the problem. Um, and then uh, one of the fun things, uh, bullpen carts. Uh, the Arizona Dimex have brought back the uh, old bullpen carts from the early 90s and the, the 80s. Uh, Big-looking baseball with a hat on it, golf cart, uh, to transport pitchers from the, uh, um, from the bullpen to the mound. Uh, just, I don't know, probably will save some time, you know, some... Pitchers can be really slow uh, at getting out there, uh, walking the way all the way out there, and so there's a limit with how much time pitchers have to warm up. Um, I think one of the things that would be a much more effective use um, to really save some time uh, is to get to reduce the number of warm-up pitches. I mean, right now pitchers come out from the bullpen where they've been throwing and they're warm, uh, and they get out on the mound and they throw eight pitches. They get eight whole pitches. Um, Maybe six. Cut down a little bit more time. There's 30 seconds right there. No problem. Um, and then uh, other things that I think really could be a lot of fun um, with pace of play rules. Um, maybe when there is an injury or a pitcher or something uh, or a pitching change, maybe don't go away from the action. Go to commercial and take your two hours and five, uh, five two minutes, two hours, your two minutes and five seconds uh, commercial break. Maybe stay in, uh, talk about the game a little bit, uh, what's been going on, uh, and put some advertising. Um, once again, soccer does this really well. Uh, there's no commercial breaks during play, uh, so they've got advertising on the score bug. Uh, I think that's something that, uh, that Major League Baseball can take advantage of and get more eyes on the game, talk about and market your, your stars a little bit better, um, and still get that advertising revenue cut back on uh, Commercial time a little bit, because uh, that's been the biggest scourge um, that makes the game so much longer, and that could maybe get some eyes. And I'm sure that many of you listening to this podcast don't really care. Uh, you want more baseball. You don't want more commercials. You want more baseball. So uh, finding ways around uh, that revenue, and maybe finding a sponsor that says, hey, uh, don't go to commercial break in the fifth inning. This will be the, um, let's see, the FH for fifth. And they sponsor the fifth inning, and it's commercial free. Something like that. Um, I think it could be great advertisement. Uh, a new revenue stream that would really help 
baseball and really kind of speed up uh, things a little bit more. One of the things that has uh, taken place in the minor leagues, uh, pitch clocks. Uh, Major League Baseball actually does have a pitch clock. There is a timer. Uh, it's just right now there is not a physical timer on the field or on the screen. So Major League Baseball does have you must pitch the ball within a certain amount of seconds. I want to say it's 20 seconds um, if there's no one on base, and it's not really enforced ever. Uh, but Major League Baseball does have a pitch clock, and um, some leagues have gone to, uh, I know minor leagues, I think it's going all the way up to AAA this year, uh, are going to have pitch clocks. They are going to have uh, on, the, on, the, on the screen, on, or in the stadium, uh, time between it, and uh, I don't think it's going to be too much of an issue. I know there have been some reports out there about uh, potential injury concerns uh, with pitchers kind of rushing through things and not following their mechanics, but I think that might be uh, some growing pains and just needing to practice the new system to speed things up because there are pitchers we call the human rain delay, and that's never any fun for anyone in the stadium when you get Pitching change after pitching change, and it just drags on and on and on and on and on and on, and it's just brutal. So I think those things are good. Uh, what I think is a very, very, very bad thing, and I really don't want to see, and now we are all through the minor leagues with it, is that as soon as the 10th inning starts, you have a runner on second base. I do not get it. I think it's ridiculous. Uh, I understand wanting the games to be shorter um, and that statistically doing that, the games will be, I want to say it's either 17, 18, or 19 minutes shorter than they would be uh, without that. But uh, winning percentage and odds uh, odds of winning aren't, aren't too much different. I think what we're going to see is just going to be not the kind of baseball that we want um, it's going to be, oh, we've got a runner on second once, and let's be real here, this is going to be in Major League Baseball sometime in the near future. Uh, they're all the way up in AAA now. Um, this is going to come to Major League Baseball, whether we like it or not. Um, it's like Twitter. Uh, hey, get the neo-Nazis off of your site. Uh, no, we can't do that, but here's more characters. We're going to go to 280 characters for the neo-Nazis. So it's kind of like that. No one really wants a runner on second within baseball except for Rob Manfred and his crack team of morons. Um, so I really don't think that's what we're going to want because it's going to turn into here is a runner on second. Start off the game. You're going to have a bunt. Okay? You're going to have a sacrifice bunt. You're going to sacrifice him to third. Great. You got a runner on third, one out. You're going to see an intentional walk, which, by the way, I like that intentional walk. Just point go, whatever. Don't care. Um, so you're going to intentionally walk someone to open up the double play. That's what it's going to turn into every single time. And it's just going to be dull and it's just going to be not exciting. You, we want to see the teams battle it out as best they can. And I don't think that's the way to really get about it. So um, pace play, big thing happening in Major League Baseball right now. Um, there are going to be some changes. And it's going to be interesting, but um, nothing too drastic for uh, 2018, but going forward, I think there's definitely going to be. So I've been rambling on for a good uh, 43 and a half minutes by now. I'm going to take a little sip. Oh. And I'm going to get to some of your questions. I'm going to do, I don't know, 10, maybe 15 minutes of questions, and then I'm going to wrap it up, and we're going to see if this actually posts. 
I hope it does, uh, but if it doesn't, I'm going to be pretty sad, um, but I hope it really posts. Um, once again, thank you all for uh, tuning in uh, to this new version of Nat's Talk on the Go. I hope it's uh, been an enjoyable experience so far. Okay, question. We're going to go back to uh, old favorite Dan Guzman, uh, world traveler Dan Guzman. Um, let's see. Uh, if you had to bet all the money in your wallet right now, uh, right now I think I've got $32 in my wallet. Um, would you bet on Harper being a gnat or not? And honestly, uh, when you asked this question earlier today, I would have said no, but I think now I'm saying yes. Uh, I think uh, the Lerner family is going to do whatever they can uh, and overturn every couch cushion to get Bryce Harper to stay in D.C. I think Bryce Harper, when faced with unknown, uh, is going to say, what I have in D.C. is great, and it's working. Uh, so I think that I would say there's a better than 50% chance that he's going to stay in D.C. Uh, going forward. Uh, I'm not saying it's permanent or it's definite, but I think there's definitely a chance. Uh, six straight season, the Nationals predicted to win, vie for the NL East title. Are we getting complacent as a fan base? Uh, I think we actually are a little bit, and I think that's okay. Um, we've been through some devastating losses in the playoffs, some really, really heartbreaking things. I think it's uh, it's natural to feel a little bit burned, um, but starting on Friday, uh, every team is zero and zero, and we need to live in the moment a little bit and enjoy what we have while we have it, uh, because baseball is just a beautiful thing as it is, and I followed the Nationals when they were a hundred lost team, and I love them even more. So I think. Uh, maybe we are getting a little complacent. I think everyone needs to take a step back and think about how much they love the game. Um, what am I drinking? I'm still uh, finishing up this errant IPA. Then I go to a Carlsberg lager. Uh, Carlsberg uh, in Copenhagen, Denmark, where I'll be heading in four weeks. Um, will we see 2017 Zimmerman again? And yes, I did predict it, even though I do have nine fingers. Um, I don't think we're going to see as good of uh, Ryan Zimmerman, but I definitely think we're going to see a better Ryan Zimmerman that we had seen in the years prior. So I think it's going to be uh, probably 80% of what we saw last year. Uh, how big of a threat to the division crown do I believe the Phillies are going to be? Uh, I don't think this is going to be a big year for the Phillies. I think they uh, are going to be way better than they were last year. I think getting Jake Arrieta was a big move, and I think... Uh, getting their top prospect signed uh, before opening day and before he even makes his major league debut is going to be good for them. Uh, I still think they're about a year or two away from really making a difference. Uh, this is going to be a big leap year for them, but I definitely don't think they're going to scratch uh, within 10 games of the Nationals. Um, predictions, blah, blah, blah. Let's see. Which player are we going to feel dumb about over underestimating? I think that is actually going to be Adam Eaton. I think Adam Eaton is going to... Uh, I don't think people know what to expect uh, because he was hurt last year um, and he was a super underrated player in Chicago. But I think Adam Eaton is a player that people will definitely underestimate. Um, and He's going to be a favorite in short order here in D.C. Uh, Murphy is on the DL. Do I think he is going to be an impact player this year or is this going to linger? Uh, there's always a possibility it lingers. Um, but Daniel Murphy uh, is one of those players, like I mentioned earlier, that can literally walk out of bed uh, in his pajamas and hit 300. 
He's just that kind of player. So I think regardless, he's going to have uh, an impact. Is there a release date for the Weekend at Bernie's reboot starring Ryan Zimmerman? Uh, um, yes. And it's perfect that it was in West Palm. So, um, Is there a Zim conspiracy? Uh, I don't believe there is. I think it's just an older player getting some rest. When will Robles come up? Uh, I think he's the first man up if there is an injury in the outfield. If not, um, uh, look at Michael A. Taylor's performance. And if he starts scuffling, I think you're going to see Robles up there. Um, Nats were met in spring training. Anything to worry about? Nope. Uh, does This is from Dan. Does the slow walker who just made me miss a Metro train deserve the death penalty? Um, I think that might be a little bit harsh. Um, but I definitely deserve, I think he deserves some sort of, uh, corporal punishment, especially if, uh, that entailed not standing on the proper side of the escalator when it was going up or down. Um, is this year Sammy Solis gets healthy and puts it all together? Uh, I think he's going to have a good year. He had a great spring. Uh, I think health has been his major concern throughout. And if he stays healthy, he's going to have a great year. Uh, what do I hope replaces G, Mike, Mike Isabella's spot at Nats Park? Um, and if you missed the news earlier this uh, week, the Nationals uh, pulled Mike Isabella's contracts for his three spots at Nationals Park due to sexual harassment uh, allegations. I think that was absolutely the right move for the Nationals. And I think uh, putting uh, more local beer, um, absolutely, uh, District Taco would like to see that, and I want me some hard times back. I miss hard times. Those chili nachos, they were the bee's knees. How good is Adam Eaton going to be? He's going to be good, y'all. He's going to be good. Um, is this our last year of fun before we become just another mediocre franchise? This is a great question from friend the Natadude. Um, I don't think we are... Uh, our window is closing at all. I know there's some concern and some talk about that, but I definitely don't think that that is in the Nationals' future. Um, you've got Max Scherzer signed for another several years. You've got Steven Strasburg just signed a big, big extension. You've got Adam Eaton for another, uh, I want to say, four years. You've got Anthony Rendon, two more years. Uh, Ryan Zimmerman for a, a good while. You've got uh, Robles sitting right there ready to come up. Um, and then you've got uh, Carter Keyboom sitting there in the minors. And, uh, of course, Trey Turner. And Doolittle still going to be on the team. So the Nationals have a lot to really, uh, a lot of core pieces there to really keep things exciting going forward. And that's also assuming uh, that Bryce Harper leaves. And there's a good chance that the Nationals make him the first $400 million player in Major League Baseball. Uh, which I believe he deserves. Let's see. Uh, bullish or bearish on Davey Martinez? Um, I think that we should be a little bit uh, bearish on him. I think he's going to be really good for the clubhouse. I think the lineup uh, and roster that the Nationals do have is very plug-and-play. I don't think there's a lot that a manager is really going to do to control. And I think the main thing is making sure the attitudes are in the right place and that the camaraderie is there uh, in the dugout, in the clubhouse, and on the field. And I think uh, under the tutelage of uh, Joe Madden that Davey Martinez is absolutely that kind of manager. So 
Uh, I think we should be a little bit bearish on him. I think he's going to be. Uh, I think he's going to be solid. Uh, what is the craziest thing that will happen on the field this year? Um, I think. I don't think streaker counts, but I definitely think there's going to be a streaker um, on the field. Strangest thing. I think there's going to be a spectacular ejection in a Nationals game uh, that involves someone tripping over a piece of catcher equipment or a bat um, and falling down and looking really silly. Um, whether it's another manager or a player or a Nationals manager or coach, I think there's going to be something like that where there's a, definitely a not top 10 moment with a, some type of embarrassing ejection. Let's see. Any other questions? Is this our year? I don't know. Maybe. Talk to you in October about it. Uh, who will be the unexpected superstar of the team? Uh, and I think uh, anyone that's been listening to this whole show would probably realize that I'm going to say Adam Eaton, I think, will be the unexpected superstar of the team. And that's really hard, a hard question because Ryan Zimmerman, uh, face of the franchise, Daniel Murphy, he has been the one of the top three hitters in the National League for two and a half years now. Um, Trey Turner, he is one of the most exciting players in baseball. Bryce Harper has a potential to be a legendary player in Major League Baseball. Max Scherzer, two straight Cy Youngs. Steven Strasburg finally put it all together last year and has been one of the best pitchers in baseball in the last six years. So it's uh, hard to find a player on the Nationals that actually isn't a superstar. Um, Anthony Rendon, uh, probably the most underrated star in baseball. Um, should have been top five MVP last year, and I honestly can't remember if he wasn't, uh, if he was or not. Um, if they put Trey Turner in the sixth spot in the lineup, do I think that would limit his stolen bases? Yeah, probably, because the more at-bats you get, if you're a good on-base guy, uh, the more times you're going to get on base. Uh, it's just science. So um, the more times he gets on base, the more stolen bases he has, the more at-bats he has, the more times he's on base, the more stolen bases. So... Uh, I think, obviously, that would affect his stolen base total, and I'd really like to see him uh, do that. Did the Nationals get better this offseason? I think they did, uh, and I think that uh, if only for Adam Eaton coming back, they are a better Paul club. So I definitely think they're going to be better uh, than they were last year. So um, I think that wraps up the questions. Um... This is going to wrap up episode 158, 158 uh, of Nat's Talk on the Go. I hope you've enjoyed this new format. Uh, once again, reach out to me on Twitter at CrickMac, at Nat's Talk on the Go. I'm looking forward to hearing from all of you guys. Let me know how crazy I sounded, uh, what I can do better, uh, and all those things. And once again, thank you so much uh, for bearing with us throughout the offseason and really... Um, letting us get our shit in order and kind of revamp things going into this year. I think it's going to be fun. Um, thanks for sticking with us and keeping this uh, downloaded in your feeds. Um, hopefully you'll see us there a lot more often and uh, all that jazz. So we'll see what happens on Friday at 410 when the Nationals open the season in Cincinnati uh, against the Reds. So we will talk to you next week sometime. It might be me. It might be me and a guest. Who knows? We'll figure it out, and we'll go from there. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, This has been Nat's Talk on the Go, and uh, I'm Craig Mack. Bye.